0: Well, awesome to have you thank you for joining us super excited to talk the creative director of milani cosmetics is not global creative director not this creative director, but global tell me a little bit more about tell us a little bit more about the brand and the company like where is it today where did it come from
1: yeah so milani was founded over 22 years ago and it has always been based in los angeles and it was one of those brands that were so we're available in mass drugstore brands. We're at Ulta, Target, Walmart, all the places. And it was it basically started as a brand that fulfilled a need that didn't really exist in mass. So back then there wasn't that level of diversity that you see today. So Milani always had a shade range for all skin tones. And that's something that we're very passionate about here. That's our main ethos is always making sure we're diverse. And not just for complexion items but also color items so making sure our color items can work across a range of skin tones and that of course it's accessible so that's a benefit of having so many stores and you know places that you can purchase it um it's really always been a brand for i would say more minority communities being that it is so accessible and diverse Um, but it's also a company where our product quality is the same level as Prestige. That's one of our best kept secrets. I think if you're in the industry, you probably know a little bit about it, but, or if you're a big Milani fan, but we're actually made in some of the same factories as Prestige. So for us, it's always been about democratizing the, the way in which quality Prestige formulas are oftentimes inaccessible to a lot of people. So that's really been the story of Milani.
0: It's interesting. You guys have been around for over two decades. What, like, How have you managed to sustain the growth, sustain the edge? As there's hundreds of beauty brands being created literally every month, thousands of brands being created every year for very niche applications yeah. in the beauty of personal care spectrum. Two decades in this world, is it's a universe of time. What do you think you've done right to be able to sustain that and and sustain retail distribution online and continue to work with that customer that keeps coming back to you?
1: Yeah, obviously I'm gonna come at it from more the creative lens. I think the business side, there's obviously having great partners, retail partners, and always having authentic relationships. That's something that I've been here about six and a half years. That's always been the case for the brand. We are a smaller sized Beauty brand, so we think of ourselves as an indie brand in mass because we we tend to have smaller uh, footprint than some of the larger brands. And so, when you're at that level, you have to have those relationships. So, making sure you're working with the right factories, obviously, from the product level. But for me, on the creative side, is always having authentic relationships with the talent that we work with, especially in recent years is there's so many creators out there and they partner with so many brands. The challenge, I think, in as a modern beauty brand is how do you stand out and stand for something? So we care a lot about the relationships we build. So the talent that we work with on our campaigns, that's something that we work to make sure that they've actually used Milani before. So we're not just hiring faces that just have the logo next to them, but that they actually wear it as well. So I think the answer to that is just being a nimble, small company across the years, being more intimate than I think some of the larger brands. it because of that, you're able to be a little bit closer to the consumer needs. You're not as, although we are global, we're able to act as a word, like a much smaller company.
0: So business is still human.
1: Business <laughs> is still human. And that's very important, I think. We do have an in-house team and we do 99% of our creative in-house. But even when we work with external partners, we have frequent collaborators. So we wanna have these relationships that we're investing in, we're growing together. So we love to work with up and coming talent, whether it's models or photographers, and we're going into these campaigns and these moments together. It's really important that we feel connected because at the end of the day, products are going to always be changing. There's going to be something new in the industry, but you want to feel there's something meaningful. And I do think that is the difference a lot of the time that you see our consumers kind of notice is because there's a little bit of a community that comes out from the internal brand team. If you follow our TikTok, you'll see there's a little squad that's been built. So I think that's something consumers can feel.
0: How have you been able to to keep up with, if you think of today, like there's so many new platforms, like you have know, all the social platforms, even more tangential things like now Reddit is becoming a big community platform for beauty brands and with customers. It feels like these things are just growing, right? There's yeah. more and more platforms every single time and more uh, as we go to those customers. Like, How have you guys been able to scale that kind of curated approach that you're talking about? where you have the approximate of your customers, but at the same time, you really have to go very wide to have a presence in all these places.
1: Yeah, I think for sure, I think understanding what your brand stands for and and where your customer is, right? So you can't be everywhere at once, but you can't do all the things and mean everything to everyone. So I think for us, it's really understanding where our customer is, and we know that obviously by data, I think we lean into the more, the platforms that we have more success with. So I think we're always open to trying new platforms. There's going to be some areas like a Reddit that might not be the main focus. It's also down to, we are smaller teams. We have to pick, go for quality over quantity. You have to pick your battles and say, we're not going to be like the number one brand on Pinterest, but we're killing it on TikTok. So let's lean onto that. So. I think just knowing that you can't do all of them.
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I feel that a lot of brands are, I see two very distinct approaches. One is, this is who we are, and we stay very really true to this. And um, you know, we work with an amazing brand called Miley and Guts. Oh yeah, I, I, love, I love their, I
1: have one of their hand creams. I carry yeah. every
0: with me. really, for the long, Extreme focus on product quality. And, and they feel like, look, this is what we're going to do. And doesn't matter what's happening in the world and what the trend, the next trend is or next week's trend is, this is who we are. And we stay true to our course. Um, And they've embraced us so acutely that they've succeeded, right? And they're growing like wildfire. The rest of the industry to to a degree struggled in this 2023. And, And then you have the other brands that are super on top of the trends and they're constantly responding to the latest trend and adapting and seeing what's working. And yeah. I've seen both succeed. The ones that have struggled more, maybe the ones that are trying to carve out a <laughs> middle ground between, because yeah. they're not really embracing a philosophy, right? It's like one big one here, one
1: there. Yeah, I think that's like the classic branding 101, right? Or marketing 101 of what do you stand for? And if you try to please everybody or try to target like all these different groups, you're not really saying anything. So I think you have to be realistic with what you can do. And again, because we are a smaller company, we have less than hundred employees. So mm-hmm. it's definitely on the smaller side. So you have to be very pragmatic and make some decisions based on what you can do. But yeah, I think ultimately you're going to see more people, I think, simplifying as people and hopefully brands will do the same thing of just trying not to do every single channel and trying to just be everywhere. I think sometimes I think brands shouldn't be everywhere. If you're on wherever you're at, at the end of the day and you're trying to unwind, maybe you don't want to hear an ad at that moment. So I think there's something good about maybe it shouldn't be everywhere.
0: <laughs> yeah, more careful choosing what avenues you have to engage with the customer that cares about. your you're going like. The AK forty seven of let just spread as far as and as wide as possible.
1: Yeah, or even like when thread started, I loved that because mm. people were just so confused what to do with it. They were like, What do we do here? You felt like people were trying to put their flag in it first and they're we like, to do
0: something. Everybody yeah, felt we they had to something. do something.
1: <laughs> but it's do we have to do
0: something? That's <laughs> a good point. What we've observed, at least in the past, I would say two years is brands were focused on a lot of commercial content, like very kind of upper And then over the last two years everything has moved towards UGC and TikTok mm-hmm. and more proximity. Like people that look like me, people that have the mm-hmm. same lifestyle I have, that are doing these things and then I'm it's so relatable that I go and decide to also buy this product. Project two or three years down the line, how do you think creative is going to change? Like what's coming or what do you think, what changes are coming down the pipeline?
1: Yeah, I think this has started, this has been happening for a, a little while. I think even just post-COVID, you were seeing creative get impacted pretty significantly because you didn't really want to see anything as polished anymore. It just didn't feel as like, relatable. So it's actually something we've thought about here at Milani for a little bit over a year. And for us, that started with this idea that consumers like to have, they like to have all the things, but a lot of the time they like to balance those things. So I always think about it as like the Zara effect of you want to have maybe an affordable outfit, but you want to have a little splurge, secondhand Gucci or whatever it is you you're getting. So you're playing in those two spaces of what we call it here. High low. So it's like the high low culture. And so That's something we've started to work on as a brand in the last year, and that's come through all of our creative as well. And how we do that is going back to the models and the talent we work with, we don't just have, there's this beautiful, stunning person behind me. I can see her and she looks like your classic model. She's on your website too. Yeah, Yeah, she's there. Beautiful photo. She's stunning. But then we also have, I don't know if you can see this little guy here, but we also have her. In like normal photos that we include on our feed in our social platforms. So the idea for that was, you don't want, I don't think anybody just wants to see some really unattainable creative that's super polished. So sometimes you go in store, you're looking at the displays and you're seeing like all this great imagery, which sometimes you do see UGC type of content in store as well, and it does well, but most of the time aspirational content especially in prestige um for us it's always the mixing when it comes to going back to your question about commercial a campaign or an advertisement you want to do both you want to play in both spaces you still have to have aspirational you can't get rid of that otherwise what you're going to have the situation where i think we see this happen a lot now where you are the brands are leaning on creators to speak for them And I think people can't really get a sense of what the brand is if you're only relying on creators and influencers. So I think that's something where you do have to have that mix of the high low. You can't just do one, but I'll say what I've seen it like in a practical sense is the upper funnel content is getting shorter and shorter. So what used to be like a 15, 30 second spot is now like three to five seconds. So, it's a little bit of I think a challenge for traditional creatives, photographers, directors who are like all the effort that goes into production, and then you see three seconds. So, right. I think the way we've managed to go with these changing needs is to plan for shooting a lot of little clips. So you're no longer just shooting thirty second spot. You're just trying to get a lot of different vignettes um, where. There may be a voiceover or text or not. You just don't know. So you have to be experimental with that and know that people have no attention span. <laughs> I'm including myself. Um, but you want to see a little bit of both. I think that's why we love inspirational brands like the big ones out there in prestige. And I'm thinking of like Gucci or Nike. You need to have the aspirational content still.
0: We found ourselves working with a number of brands that worked directly with creators and then realized they kind of lost complete control of the brand. <laughs> yeah. the, the, um, because, you know, shipping product, the creators were making a bunch of stuff, and then it turns out it was just incredibly scattered. They were coming to us and they said, we still want the UGC-like content, but we want to create control. Yeah. Um, and we're like, we can do that, but we don't get that by just shipping product to creators and expect them to come up with something. No, that you have to watch.
1: brief them really well too. And yeah. we have a great team in-house specifically who runs our social is Adora. And she does a great job of briefing creators exactly like what's expected. And we do that a lot, even on our shoots, like we over plan. So that I think that's another thing that brands can do a little bit more of is be just super clear in the intention, even when you're working with creators, because at the end of the day it is an extension of your brand so you can't give complete control you want to have them like obviously bring their authenticity but it still has to feel like a part of your brand
0: 100 percent. it has to when people watch that content they have to feel like they're connected to your brand you right know?
1: and if it's sometimes like i said there's the same person and they're talking about another one what about that exchange felt different when it was your brand
0: exactly How have you seen, you know, this might be a kind of a no question, but have you seen creative help define product development or has it normally been the other way around?
1: We do, we have a great product development team that's in-house and it's, it comes from all kinds of places. I think they would say, they obviously look at trend forecasting and that kind of thing. But in terms of traditional design, do you mean an actual no, yeah,
0: it could be packaging design, it could be preference formulation, it could be a new product line that opens up. Do you find that, you know, you're saying it comes normally from them, and friends or are there things that you may be the creative team identifying since hey, we're seeing signs of this, we <laughs> should think about it or we, there's a gap that we see happening in the market right now that we should think about maybe filling.
1: Yeah, it's definitely not specific to creative, I would say it. it Probably broader in the marketing team which creative is under here at milani but overall as a marketing team it is very personal like your makeup and what you use obviously we're a makeup brand it's what it's all it's our language our shared language so if you're seeing somebody wearing something a lot you're like huh there's something here we tend to find that happens a lot more it's not really from a packaging perspective or like a design perspective but more of we're noticing everyone in this in the team is using the same kind of thing or they're they're having the same kind of issue so that tends to inspire more product ideas i think where creative comes in terms of changing how something might be created or finalized it's usually in the art direction so obviously you might have an idea of a product but if there are like four or five different ones on the market, you have to figure out how does this one look different? How does this one feel different? So that's really more where creative comes in and where we're able to find ways to
0: differentiate it.
1: But yeah, I think here it's, again, it's all authentic. It has to be that we like to use it. So definitely not just creative for Milani.
0: One of the interesting things too we're saying is, especially when you think about, New generations, the Gen Zs, the Gen Alphas, or even inc- including some Millennials, the things they care about when buying products have changed. Mm-hmm. Um, they're looking for things that are clean. They're looking for things that are sustainable. They're looking for things that are have like a more of a, a transparent background as to mm-hmm. how things are made and how it affects their bodies and all these other things, uh, which is something that wasn't as demanded yeah. in the past. Yeah. So when you guys think about the future and future generations that come with this kind of mindset, how does that affect how you think about engaging with them and like the language and the, the kind of the, the creative assets that you even use to, to talk to someone that's maybe in their forties versus someone that's like late teens or early twenties. Does the language change or the approach change or you guys have an overall approach to everything? And then, Yeah, it's a
1: great question. I think, For us, we do definitely iterations of creative, so we don't just do one a one-size-fits-all, but we tend to, I would say we research a lot of what are consumer needs more than specific to age. So I think there's always going to be human needs across ages. And I think that's when you're working in mass, you want to think about, This can be someone from any walk of life that's coming up. So for us, it's really tapping into what are their desires, their interests. But you do definitely see the split, like you said, with the younger generation wanting things that are a little more transparent. So we do include that information in store. You can see it on our website, but in store, we put when things are vegan or cruelty-free. We also share where we're made which countries were made in. So that's something that is, like I said, because we're coming from similar factories as Prestige, it is something we're really proud of and being transparent about where things are made. I think that's something that a lot of brands across categories don't really share a lot. They don't really go into detail on that. So I think for us, that's something that we have leaned in and will continue to lean in. And then we're always looking at, ways to improve our packaging and how to make it more recyclable. So we do have initiatives that we're working on for the next few years. And yeah, of course, we will communicate that to our consumers. But I think in general, going back to the idea, makeup is not going to solve the world's problems, but ultimately people buy it to look and feel good. So I think understanding that's why they're coming to get it. and and not maybe getting into (laughs) a more, we're brain surgeons and we're changing the world. I think realistic a little bit.
0: So i got to ask you about this. Oh yeah. So (laughs) give me the download. How do you think it's changing things, especially in the creative field? And how do you think it's going to change things in the near future? For you guys and in general, I'd love to hear your point of view.
1: Yeah, on a personal level, I love it and I'm excited. So I'll say that I think I am still doing a lot of testing on it. There's so many programs that are out there and I'll be honest, like some of them are really great and some of them are just like, they're not the best out there. There's still a lot of work to be done, but I think it's exciting. I think obviously there's a tendency as creatives to be a little territorial or afraid of something replacing us or yeah, I think it's like another human fear uh in general, but I think it is just a tool. AI, I think the way in which people talk about it is though it's like replacing something. It is just another tool. Just the way we use camera, the way we use Photoshop, Creative Cloud. So it's the same thing. It does require human prompting. It's not gonna just run on its own. So I think it's exciting and ultimately I see it helping with maybe more insignificant things like little things that you might need help with like iterations of content or versioning or maybe even like concepting notes, things that are needed but maybe don't require as much attention. But I think personally and here at Milani, we value our team and all of the efforts of our designers. So that's definitely not going to change ever because I think that's, th- there's something to be said for the human <laughs> part, of the human element of design and being able to think about things in a broader sense. I think AI needs a lot of prompting, but what do you think? What do
0: you think? Are you? We're, we're fully embedded into the trend. say so, um, in many aspects, I think. We found it. I would agree with you that it requires a lot of human input. This is a great thing, right? Yeah. Because it, it really the quality of the output is highly determined by the quality of the input it gets from. Exactly, yeah. We've been using across the board. So you mentioned ideation. So we, we've been using it for a fair amount for ideation. Uh, we've been using it for storyboarding um, support. We've been. We have a product uh, which is like an, an generative uh, set of uh, images. So instead of us going to studio and shooting pack shots for a product, um, we'll take in a CAD model. Or we'll take in a crypto pack shot, and then we'll produce that pack shot into a series of scenes, like different uh, environments. Yeah. And it's a combination between Gen AI and heavy post production work. Yeah. So the 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 I would say the image generating, branded image generators are very far from being oh, fidelity. Yeah.
1: <laughs> they're actually like humorous sometimes. They're humorous,
0: right? They're, 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 they're pretty like, wow. bad. <laughs> they're pretty bad. So, what we've been doing is we've been using generate to generate really compelling scenes to embed the products into a post production. And it's still a significant cost savings, right? Because you can run A B tests for a lot of these images to create oh, different yeah. versions. And we do that very quickly and without the overhead of having to bring everybody inside. So, that's, it, that's a fair point. It's been working really well in that sense. And then I would say, like, with post production tools like Runway and Firefly by Adobe, I think they've been helping to a degree yeah. make post production a bit more efficient.
1: Yeah, um, I would say the creative, like, everything Adobe's doing is probably the better that I've seen. And I think yeah. that's something that we're going to continue here at milani to play with and yeah we're definitely embracing it
0: it's interesting I, I things are also changing very quickly so many times when we sit down with brands and they ask us that question is what's happening with ai we're like <laughs> do you mean this week last week or next week yeah, like guess. yesterday tomorrow yeah exactly like, like today <laughs> amazon launched a branded image generator
1: Today. Oh, see, I, I'm going to have to catch up. I'm already, exactly I'm already right.
0: behind on <laughs> So I think here's the biggest problem I see with this is keeping up. I think yeah. people are starting to get very overwhelmed keeping yeah. up with the advancement because now the advancement is not human-driven. The advancement now is machine-driven. So that's been the change of, 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 sort of pace. And I think a lot of people are fairly overwhelmed with trying to keep up with everything that's going on.
1: Yeah, but it exactly. goes back to that thing again, right? You Maybe it's not for, maybe you don't try to do all the things. Maybe you pick and choose,
0: maybe exactly. learn a
1: few AI things, not all of them. So I exactly. think just being, I think that helps ultimately um, is trying not to overwhelm yourself that you're going to figure it all out. And I do think sometimes as creatives, we can do that. We can be like, I need to know this thing, but there's only so many minutes in the day
0: <laughs> exactly, and 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 I think these tools have to be in service of us, not us trying to figure it out. if like, I thought we use these tools for what? You know, oh, yeah. But you start with the need and the problem, and you say, "Is there anything else that can help me out there?" Versus, "I need to use this tool." Let me figure out where to push it into. <laughs> yeah. Um, but valerie thank you so much. This has been it has been really cool. Really cool to hear. And uh, it's not it's not often we get a, the perspective of creative director. We talk to a lot of founders and. It sucks, but, but it's great to hear things from the creative side as well, and especially for a company that's been around for a couple of decades already. Yeah. We've seen a lot of different changes over that timeframe.
1: Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. And yeah, we'll see where AI goes together. We'll find yes. out. And yeah. But thank you so much for having me. We'll
0: keep each other posted.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Share the links that you find. Exactly. <laughs>